In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. Folks, welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your Wednesday episode. How the heck is everybody doing? Listen, I'm on my last legs right now, so I just drove back from Arizona, seven hours on the road, got in, watched tonight's Salt Lake City, then watched Watch What Happens Live with Z-Way and Mary Cosby. Woo! There, you want to feel like you do not belong to this planet? You do seven hours on the road. And then just immediately watch Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and then watch Mary Cosby and Z-Way. I feel like I'm on an acid trip right now. That was insane. I mean, Z-Way and Mary Cosby, I mean, it was so uncomfortable and awkward, which sometimes makes for the best Watch What Happens Live. Uh, but the the episode itself, am I, uh, is, I mean, Meredith Marks is really getting to like God tier status in terms of like one of the most bizarre housewives. I mean, the acts, you know, we've talked about her accent so much, but even tonight I caught like two or three new accents. Just every, like, she's finding new ways to say things. And then Brooks, her son, was driving her with ski goggles on. And then they just ran around in snowshoes. I'm telling you, it's like a David Lynch movie come to life. It is like one of your dreams that you're trying to remember. And you're like, oh my God, I think I was driving in the snow. And then we pulled over and you were wearing snow goggles. And then you said, let's strap snowshoes on our feet and then just like run around in the snow. It, I, I truly don't know if I'm dreaming right now. This might, I'm, this might not even be real. I might be in a dream right now. It was so bizarre. I cannot wait to recap that for you. Uh, you'll be hearing that this Friday. Now today's episode. Awesome. Awesome. Now this is a pop culture podcast. We go everywhere. We go reality television. We do pop culture news stories, and we get to talk about music too. Uh, I love everything, as you know. And today, it just this was like a dream show for me because I get to talk to these guys, and I knew Diallo Riddle before because he has some Bravo connections, which we talk about on the episode. But Diallo Riddle and Blake Luxury Robin, who is just this amazing DJ, you might follow him on TikTok. Regardless, they have a new podcast out right now called One Song, and it's hysterical, but they break down like iconic songs. So the episode that we talk about is their one involving Beyonce's Break My Soul, which I hope before the interview starts, go and listen to Break My Soul by Beyonce. Pull it up on Spotify or your Apple Music or wherever. Throw on the vinyl and listen to it. And then go listen to their podcast, Breaking It Down. It's such a good podcast. If you love music, it is just, it takes you into the song and they have so many amazing stories. And it's just like a 
I just geeked out so hard because they have so much good knowledge about music and and just what it takes to create these things and uh, luxury. He'll he'll break down like the like a piano line or a bass groove or any you know it just breaks it down in such a way that it takes you inside the song in the best way. I mean, it's like. I don't know the first thing about making music, but you feel like you're an expert after you listen to these podcasts. So good. I highly recommend it. And I love getting to talk to people about things that other than reality shows, like it, it makes me so excited. So you got that. And remember there's timestamps, so you can skip to that right now, but we'll do a couple news stories. And I want to talk about something really quickly uh, before we get to that. Um, how are you guys? You good? You good? It's been an intense couple of days. Uh, dad says, hi, uh, I was so sad to leave him. I know he was bummed and, uh, you know, so, so God, you guys. So if you, if you listen every day, you know, that yesterday my dad went to his, uh, BSF, I think it's called Bible study. Uh, I don't know what the F stands for Bible study fucker. No, <laughs> I think it's Bible study foundation. Who knows? But he comes in last night when I was finishing up the episode and I was like, how did it go tonight? He was like, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't, uh, I just didn't have it. And I just love that my dad takes it so seriously where I was like, well, what was wrong? He's just like, ah, I just didn't feel it tonight. You know, luckily my partner that I do it with, he he was doing good, but I just, I didn't feel it. And I was like, I wanted a win, a win for him so bad. I was like, oh man, well, maybe next week you'll teach, but teach the Bible better. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I was like, how dare you go, you go to your room and read the Bible right now until you can teach these kids about the Bible. Um, but I thought that was so cute. And then this poor guy, you, you know, it's like, we're all dealing with trauma this last year, obviously, but you know, especially this last month and a half since mom passed, you know, with him, it, I, I was talking about his sleeping and, uh, you know, I got him melatonin and then Sandra was just telling me, make sure he takes magnesium as well. And I, you know, knocking him out every night, I just ordered him his, his own bottle of melatonin, which he was excited, but he's also, you know, he's getting older and stuff. And he, he has like, he just, his skin is like paper thin. He just like, will bang into something and his like skin just like just bleeds and so he comes in last night and he was like, his elbow was bleeding. And this is like a gnat. I know this is kind of gross, but you know, he's just like, oh my God, I'm falling apart. I feel so bad for the dude, but it was so funny. He comes in talking about the Bible stuff, not working. And then I had to like bandage his arm, you know, where he had like hurt himself. And, you know, mom used to do this and, uh, we, we didn't have the proper band-aids. So I was putting like a thousand little band-aids on the wound. <laughs> It's like two men. We barely know how to wipe ourselves. We're like, yeah, put another one right there. Put another one right there. And then like I found myself on Amazon last night. I ordered this guy a shit ton of band-aids, like all different sizes. And I was just like, this is so wild. And I could just picture mom wherever she is going, I told you. I told you you guys weren't going <laughs> to look at you guys falling flat on your asses. Like I mean, she would have the answers to all of these things. Oh, it breaks my heart, you guys. It does break my heart. And, uh, but I, I will say, so I, I drove in. I would have stayed an uh, extra couple of days, uh, but I drove in because I'm doing uh, Jeff Lewis Live on Sirius XM. So by the time you hear this, it'll probably already be over with, and I'll either have done okay or I will have like just 
massively took taken a turd on Sirius XM. Like, I don't know, Jeff. I don't know Jeff that well. I, I don't know how this will go. I'm genuinely nervous. Like, I'm sick nervous. I'm the nervous that I used to get where I didn't study all semester and then went into the final and been like, Let's hope that let's hope this science course goes. Let's hope I just know the answers. Yeah, let's hope it's multiple choice. I mean, that's how I feel right now. Cause I like all of a sudden I was like, I don't have anything to say. I was like, I don't what uh you know where you're like, I've done this for years and years, but I'm like, I, I got nothing. I got literal nothing. I brought brought this up though. Well, anyways, my dad said he just texted me right now. He's like, he's so this is he's so nice. It, it just we're trying. He said you're going to do great tomorrow. Mom and I are so proud of you. And then he put the heart emoji and then I should write back. I was like, what do you mean? Mom's dead. Like what? <laughs> no, I, I, it's, it's really, this whole thing has kind of made you, uh, appreciate family in a whole different way, you know, and really get, um, not protective. That's not the word, but just, you want everything to be okay. And you, you can't rush somebody's uh, you know, you, you heartache and all of that stuff. You can't rush somebody healing. And I mean, by the way, it's so interesting because I don't, I, uh, you know, I haven't really thought a, a lot about my own pain. Like I'll get down or I'll get angry sometimes, but I haven't really thought about my own pain because I just keep going. Like I keep doing this and I know that's what she would want. And I'll focus on other people's pain. Like I'll focus on my dad's pain or my sister's pain. And, uh, I just want him to be okay so badly. And I know we have to go through this time, which will last a long time for the rest of our lives. But this first part that will be, you know, what it is, but he's just, he's, you know, so supportive and I'm, I'm trying to be supportive of him so much as well. Um, but he, he actually went out to dinner with some friends tonight and he had a martini. And so he was feeling pretty good about having a martini. I was like, okay, okay, dad. All right. I see you. But what I wanted to bring up without Jeff Lewis live. Okay. So I'm really nervous. Right. And then somebody sends me this Reddit thread. Now I don't go on Reddit because it really scares me. And anytime, uh, anytime somebody sends me something with my name and Reddit, I get really, I'm like, Oh, just like my butthole clenches. It's always clenching, but <laughs> extra clenches, you know, my penis doesn't any, not an Audi. It's, but I get really nervous. And, uh, you know, I think it, it said something to the degree of, I can't believe Ryan is going on Jeff Lewis uh, because he he is he speaks uh, about how he really admires uh, Heather McDonald and her podcast. And, uh, you know, and then I, I, you know, the comments were really nice for the most part, um, uh, which is awesome. Like, thank you, God. Thank you so much. But I do want to talk about that because. Listen, I, I hate to burst anybody's bubble. I've said this before. I was booked on Jeff Lewis's show bef before my mom passed. Like, I don't know the full timeline of the Jeff Lewis, Heather McDonald thing. So, um, and you guys know me. I'm not like, listen, if I always say I want to be in a podcasting war, but the only person I really want to be in a podcasting war is Bethany Frankel. That's who I want to be in one with. I don't really know if I want to be in a podcasting war and especially right now, because right now I feel defeated in a lot of ways just because of the last couple of months. So I'm not at my best in terms of uh, a war of any sort, but I do want to, I do want to say I was booked on this show. I couldn't do it because my mom did pass and then they rebooked me, which I was like so psyched about because listen, I, I've wanted to be on Jeff Lewis's show for a very long time. I've, I've, I've watched Jeff Lewis since the beginning of like flipping out. Are you kidding me? Like, I don't even, 
I, I'm just nervous that I'm going to suck shit regardless of anything. But I wanted to say is that it's weird. Like I, I, I like Heather. I love Heather. I think she, I mean, look at what she's built. I mean, it's just wild though. I've had so many DMS and I don't, don't even get to open up a lot of them. So many DMS of like, Oh, be careful. Or, Oh, Heather sucks. Or, Oh, Jeff sucks. Or, Oh, this sucks. And I'm like, my God, like, I just, I, I just want to go and be goofy and talk about, <laughs> talk about farts and Lisa Barlow and Meredith Marks. Like my God, I just, and I, I, I hate to, and by the way, and I've never met Justin Martindale. I follow him on Instagram and he follows me and he's like, seems like a super nice guy. And I, I mean, I think you guys know better than that too, that I would go on and, and uh, I mean, I, I don't think it'll be talking shit about Heather. I mean, like literally, I don't think I was booked because of my relationship with Heather. I mean, I don't even think he knows who I am for the most part. In fact, the reason probably why, why I'm on is because Chef Stu, his boyfriend has been on many, many times on this podcast and we get along really well. So I think he recommended me. Um, but I'm, I'm more, I'm more nervous for myself that I'm just going to suck. And people are going to be like, get this bozo out of here. Or that Justin Martindale is going to be like, this guy ain't funny at all. It's, you know, let's hold him down and hit him. That's, that's what I'm worried about. So I'm, I'm more worried about that, but I wanted to see, I wanted to say that cause I was like, Oh my God, people are out there thinking this is some thing. Like I, I listen, I was, I was told to pick a day. Uh, I picked a day. I could have picked Thursday, but I'm interviewing Danny Pellegrino on Thursday. So I couldn't do Thursday, which by the way, I'm almost finished reading Danny Pellegrino's holiday book, the jolliest bunch, which comes out October 24th. It's unhinged holiday stories. And it is delightful. If you want a feel good holiday book, just with hysterical stories, I cannot recommend Danny's book. Uh, and you, you can order it on Amazon right now. It'll come on October 24th. It's perfect to put out with your holiday decorations. I cannot wait to talk to him, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, I couldn't do Thursday. So I did Wednesday. I didn't know who's on, but I'm really excited and I hope that's okay. And I hope I've earned my spot to actually be on a successful show, whether it be Heather's, whether it be Jeff's. Uh, I mean, I hope to be on watch what happens live one day. That's the deal. I mean, God, I, I'm in such admiration of even Jeff Lewis, what he's created. I think he's like this perfect blend of like Howard Stern and Charles Grodin and just, I mean, what he's created and the, the, the environment of the chumps and all of that stuff. So, uh, I'm excited, but I, I'm not going on in terms of like any kind of bad blood, nor do I want to have bad blood at this point. Uh, I need to be a little more stronger to have bad blood with anybody at this point. And in fact, I, I texted with, uh, Heather McDonald, uh, just yesterday, because she, uh, every that's that, everybody sent me this DM that she had posted the Wayne's World Kyle and Morgan Wade thing, and and but she's like, hey, I didn't even know that. I I, I didn't even remember that was you. I guess she may. I was like, yeah, I didn't. I don't think you did anything on purpose. Like I didn't. I, Heather's always been awesome. So. Guys, I hate to burst everybody's bubble because it's so much more exciting when everybody hates each other. I get how exciting that is for people listening. And I'm kind of a boring fuddy-duddy that way. I just don't have it in me right now. Maybe I'll work up to like severely hating people and them them severely hating me. I'm sure there's plenty of people that severely hate me. I just can't get there yet. I love that I'm apologizing for not hating. Guys, I'm so sorry for not being able to hate <laughs> a lot of people and get into really bad arguments with people. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. So 
that's all I got to say about that. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, okay, one, one or two stories here before we get to our guests, which I loved. I hope you guys like this interview because I just had the most fun with these guys. Um, Listen, my brand is so strong right now because do you know about this uh, this Rachel Levis, the artist formerly known as Raquel from Vanderpump Rules? What's going on, everybody? Well, it's good that you it's good that you don't have a man for me to steal. Um. Anyways, she made an announcement today where she is auctioning on eBay some of these items, the the lightning bolt necklace that we saw her buy on season 10 of Vanderpump Rules and a couple Tom Tom hoodies, which we'll get into the specificity, but I I was on the road and I got so many damn like my phone started blowing up and I was listening to an audiobook and I try not to check my phone on the road uh, because um, that's just bad news for me and every driver around me. Cause I would just get like, imagine that, that by the way is how I will meet my end is I'm like, Oh, look at this. I'm bidding on a, I'm a bidding on a lightning necklace crash. Like that's how I'm going to go out. But anyways, I got, I mean, I got hundreds of comments and people have like, Ryan's going to bid on this. You know, Ryan's going to bid on this. Uh, I love, and I love when I first saw, I was like, this is ridiculous. And I love that. I was, I almost like poo pooed it and it's cause I'm broke because <laughs> I was like, I don't have the money, but I know because I, I do have this reality show museum in my head that I want to do someday. And I have the Tom Girardi lingerie. I have the Richella wristband, but listen, this is the, the necklace, these hoodies or in like the bidding is like up to thousands and thousands of dollars right now, as well as the, 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 the lightning bolt necklace that is way past my price point. Like if this thing was like $300, I would consider it, but listen, truly a piece of history. I'm imagining bidders from like the Smithsonian are bidding, um, the Louvre 
hang it in the Louvre, which by the way, we always say hang it in the Louvre now in terms of pop culture. Like it'll be some shitty reality show moment and somebody will tweet, hang it in the Louvre. And I was just like, is the Louvre just a bunch of shitty pop culture moments? <laughs> like you go there and it's just a Viva Drescher's leg, which by the way, when I say that, that's why the reality show museum would work. I would like be in tears. I'd like get a picture of me with the leg. Sorry, sir. Step away from the leg. It, it ruins the, uh, it ruins the structure of the leg if you film it. <laughs> I love that I'm having rules at my reality show museum. Um, so let me read you some of these details. Because this is very, very real. But I do want to say she she is she is having us bid on these these items. And I will say to her credit, she is not keeping this money, which, by the way, I mean, how, what is her financial situation? Because I would be like, I need the money. I'm glad people are like, I, I need to get rid of these because I need, I need money, but she is actually donating the proceeds. So she said this on her Instagram. She said, I'm cleaning out my closet. I've found a few items that are a little bit triggering. Um, while speaking about the items that she listed on eBay, eBay, the TV personality confessed that she never wants to see them or wear them again. She says, in honor of World Mental Health Day, I am creating a fun fundraiser all a fun. God, I hate when the Daily Mail, I say this all the time, when you're reading a Daily Mail article and they misspell something or they may, they butcher a sentence, you're like, I thought this was real news. Um, creating a fundraiser, all of the proceeds will go to NAMI, which is the National Alliance of Mental Illness. And it's all about like creating a better mindset, changing your environment so that you can set yourself up for success, which I think is like, dude, amazing. Like I, I really, I gotta tell you, I'm loving some of these moves Rachel is making. I think that's smart. Get rid of it. These things are like Harry Potter horcruxes. These are like, these are cursed items. In fact, I would be scared to have them because I'd be like, that's like seven years of bad luck. It's like stepping on a mirror. You, I, I don't want, which by the way, remember when I had, it's in storage still, but I used to have, the painting of Tom Girardi, the oil painting of Tom Girardi and his brothers hanging over my bed. I had that for like a year over my bed and everybody was like, get that down. That is like horrific. And I'd be like, yeah, people are like, it's haunted. I'm like, yeah, what are you going to do? It's just like, I'm haunted. Like I really, I had no, people were like, it's bad juju. I'm like, yeah, I mean, maybe who knows? It's, it's a, it's a conversation piece. Remember, I also bid on Countess Luann's wedding dress <laughs> when she got married to Tom. <laughs> it was an actual auction house, and I made an account and I bid on the wedding dress. <laughs> it's just like, could you imagine? somebody's in your bedroom and you're like, Oh, I can see you're looking at that wedding dress on the mannequin. Yeah. That's uh that's Countess Luann's uh, wedding dress uh, from, from Tom. Yeah. It's, it's quite a piece, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I see you're looking at my oil painting of Tom Girardi and his brothers. Funny story about that. <laughs> so I love, so these items are out there. Now what's crazy though. Um, I have a couple of things to say now on eBay. The old eBay, she put these up on eBay. Guess how much they're going for right now? So this 14 karat gold lightning bolt necklace, which by the way, Rachel's eBay account is called Rachel with the lights. Man, is Rachel with the lights? 
It's is that a galaxy light reference? Is that like look at my galaxy? By the way, Rachel, that's what I want. I want your galaxy light, man. That come on, give that to me for 300 bones. Let's do give me your galaxy. Oh my god, the galaxy light now is what I want. I don't need that. This is too ritzy for me. I want the galaxy light, man. Can you imagine that? Like, hey, do you want to come over tonight and just stare at R- Rachel's galaxy light? <laughs> Play some counting crows and stare at Rachel's galaxy light with me? That'd be amazing. Are you kidding me? That'd be a perfect exhibit for my reality show museum. You know how they'll have like special exhibits and like one month will be like, go behind the scenes of Rachel's galaxy light. And we recreate the Vegas hotel room where Lala and the other girls supposedly picked on her for the galaxy. Light. <laughs> so, okay. This 14 karat gold lightning bolt necklace. This is the description is designed by Caitlin, Nicole jewelry and measures 18 inches. That's what she said. The original cost was 765 US dollars, which by the way, I do want to point out she did get an influencer discount. So I think that's like street value. There is a small scratch in the gold. What is this? I'm not going to buy something with a small scratch in the gold, but not noticeable when the light hits the necklace. The necklace was symbolic of my devotion to another person who I allowed to have power over me. The poetry that is spilling forth in this eBay description. My God. But she says he no longer does have this power. <gasps> this is literally, this is what I talked about last week when people used to tweet uh, um, like lyrics from songs when they were feeling sad. It would be like a mysterious message like, oh my God, who is she writing that about? Like, I allowed to have power over me. He no longer does. NAMI is a nonprofit. Anyways, wishing you the best on this World Mental Health Day. So by the way, I like I said, I think this truly is awesome that she's donating the proceeds to this. Like I said, I would keep the proceeds. She's donating it. That's an awesome decision. But wow, what a dramatic, what a, I mean, does the necklace come with this description on like a printed card? Like I would put this in the shadow box along with this necklace. So get this, you got six days and six days left to bid. There's so far been 38 bidders and there's been 94 bids. So 38 people have bid on this necklace. It is a feeding frenzy. Guess what it is up to? $2,150. I've never made that much. I don't even know how to say it. And then it says shipping. You have to pay shipping and the shipping's only $3.64. Girl, if you're doing a $764 necklace, why don't we insure the shipping? How about that? The shipping's going to be $3.64. How does that even make sense? When I bought Jax's Rambo lunchbox, remember when I did that last year? He has an eBay store, Jax Taylor. His shipping was like, like 15, 20 bucks. Are you kidding me? Now that I'm realizing I probably got ripped off on that. Um, Anyways, condition that says pre-owned, one available. So I wish there was like a comment section. Can you imagine? We got to see who reviews <laughs> who reviews Rachel's necklace after they get it. Will she have eBay reviews? By the way, uh, you can contact seller on this. I would not do that. Uh, but the other thing that she is getting rid of, and this is where it gets redonkulous. So it's the Tom Tom hoodie. So supposedly this is the Tom Tom hoodie that she she wore to BravoCon that like started the whole rigmarole where Katie was like that's just a thirsty girl ba da 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 da. But this is what confused me and I I did put this on Instagram. What confused me is didn't she give this to Andy Cohen on Watch What Happens Live when she was on with Sheena? 
the night this all got found out about her and Tom, she gave Andy this. And then Andy, I remember, I mean, this is like, I watch, watch what happens live religiously. And then I remember, I think Andy let his mom wear it and even did an Instagram story about it. So like how many hoodies are there? I think she said she has a couple of them, but then you gave the good hoodie to Andy. The description on this, I don't, there's no description. Wait, well, wait, wait. Okay, this one, this one says, I can't rewrite history, but I can use something from my darkest days towards a good cause. Wow, for me, it would be like, like, I don't know, like a roll of toilet paper or something. Like, I'm auctioning off this toilet paper. <laughs> and these are from my darkest days on the toilet. Um, the listing is for both hoodies. The infamous three-tone Topaz on black TomTom hoodie is the one I wore day three at BravoCon and is also the same style hoodie I boldly gave to... Boldly? Who wrote these descriptions? I boldly gave to Andy Cohen on Watch What Happens Live the night everything blew up in my face. I added the black hoodie to the listing since it is more worn and not in pristine condition. The rhinestone TomTom hoodie is designed by Eddie Valentine. The Topaz on black hoodie is missing a couple rhinestones. This is ridiculous. I need full rhinestones. The black on black TomTom hoodie is missing several rhinestones on the top right of the lightning bolt and is missing this drawstring. This is like trash. What are you talking about? What is Walmart? The sweater will be signed upon request. Okay, now we're this signed upon request. Can we get her to sign anything? Shipping internationally, wishing you the best on World Mental Health Day. Like I said, I love, but okay, get this. Guess how much this one is up to. There's been 107 bids on this for this hoodie. Nobody's, nobody's, nobody has any, answer. $7,300, $7,300. And it's not the one she gave to Andy. What are you 73? And by the way, I'm sorry. I think that necklace is so much more symbolic than the Tom Tom hoodie. That necklace is the thing to get. That necklace is only going for 2000 bucks. That's a steal. Now this hoodie Guys, I have a Tom Tom hoodie. Like I could I'll sell it I'll sell it to you guys for like 50. No, no, it's, now I'm going to sell it to you for like 2000. Are you like are we like can I just put a bunch of used clothes on eBay tomorrow? I'm like this is my Countess Luann shirt that I bought like 4 years ago and then I threw up on myself later that night. Like can I do that? This is like $7300. You could put somebody through 4 years at ASU for that. Or $7300. What is wrong with me? Who bid $7300? Now I do have I do have one thought. What it this is my thought. I bet you I bet you anything that Tom Sandoval is bidding on one if not both of these items. He's like, "Dude, I put her in this mess, dude. It's, uh, I need to get I need to get her out, dude." And he's probably going to say, like, I bid, dude. I was the highest bidder. I won, dude. I won, man. I bet he bid on this to kind of cleanse his his spirit, if you will. But which would be dark, too, because then that would be like, you know, take that, Raquel, dude. I own this necklace now. I mean, this is wild. I mean, this whole, the whole aftermath of this. I mean, this is this is the stuff I wish was on season 11 is Rachel making this eBay posting and like finding the right words of like one of the darkest days of our history was when I was when I bought this necklace to impress somebody that oppressed my soul, somebody that broke my soul, as Beyonce says. Anywho, I had to share that with you guys. 
Okay, let's get to our guests. They are awesome. I do a big intro. I already told you about them earlier, but I'm telling you, stick around. I hope you love this conversation as much as I loved having it. And towards the end, we get into some Beverly Hills and Salt Lake with Diallo because he is a genius about everything, including Bravo. So here they are, the hosts of the new podcast, One Song, which I highly recommend. Bye, guys. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Guys, welcome back to So Bad It's Good, presented by Betches Media. Today is one of the days that I love my job so much because I got an email a couple of weeks ago saying, hey, would you be interested in talking to these guys? They have a new podcast called One Song. And I was like busy doing like 30 things and I didn't, like I did, I kind of just read it and then I forgot about it. And luckily I got another email back reminding me. And then I looked into it and says, they have a special episode on this podcast about Beyonce's Break My Soul. And I was like, oh my God, what is this about? And then I started reading that these two gentlemen who are amazing in their own right have teamed up to do a podcast called One Song where they break down kind of once in a lifetime songs. It's funny. They break it down from a pop culture element. You will learn. I mean, you learn about stims, B- BPMs, B per minute. You learn the history of this. And in a sense, it's kind of the history of music, the history of pop culture. They have a new episode just featuring Beyonce's Break My Soul, which is a four minute and 38 song, which is just an homage to building a better ship as a pop song, a song that'll be around, I believe, for 50 to 100 years, hopefully longer. But the cool thing about podcasts is that I get to introduce you to your new obsession. And what do we do with a new obsession? We go, we we subscribe, we rate it five stars. But I'm telling you, once I listened to this one, I started going down the list because then they were like Prince. And then they were like Biggie. And they do all of these songs. And I learned so much. And I've been heavily obsessed. Now, the two gentlemen behind this are just geniuses in their own right. Now, Diallo Riddle, um, I I met Diallo because he presented at the Watch What Crappens Crappy Awards in January, and he's been on Watch What Happens Live. So you got him there. We might get some Bravo takes by the end of this episode. Um, but he's also an Emmy-nominated star and creator of HBO Max's Southside. But then you have teaming up with him, his friend Blake Luxury Robin, who is a music producer and TikTok creator. And now that got me to TikTok watching his video. And I was like, these guys are geniuses. They actually play the song. They break down the stems. They do everything that you want to do as a music lover and a pop culture geek. So without further ado, here they are, Diallo Riddle and Blake Luxury Robin. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. Thank, appreciate that, that amazing <laughs> intro. <laughs> that was great. I know. I feel humbled by that intro. That intro is amazing. <laughs> Well, this is, I mean, I imagine this is what you want listeners to feel is to be so excited. Like I went back and listened to the entire Renaissance album on Sunday and it, it's one of those albums that continues to grow on you, even though it's been out for over a year, but the way you break down this song makes you appreciate so much of the artistry that went into this. Is that how you guys feel about, uh, break my soul? Yeah, I mean, I can take that. I, for, just musically speaking, I'm still listening to it 
you know, a year and some change after it's been released. And I'm finding it kind of in a way, it's a little bit like one of those sample albums from the late 80s before the laws took like Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys or Public Enemy. There's so much density to the material that multiple listens, you're still picking out little moments, little details, little transitions that I hadn't noticed the first time. It's It's really rewarding the multiple listens, but I'm still... I'm still unpacking what's in this album, the, the content musically and lyrically a year later. And I, I imagine for the rest of my life at this rate. <laughs> yeah. And as a, as, a, as a huge dance music fan, I've always loved when, you know, black people make dance music because it's just not a, sometimes it's not a thing, you know, like I was the DJ, not to sound like LCD sound system, but I was there trying <laughs> to spin dabs there, you know, before every <laughs> You know, black <laughs> DJ tried to spin Daft Punk. So I'm always down for more dance music, you know, in sort of the, not that, you know, I feel like the, our, our our gay black community has lots of, of dance music. But, you know, just for like the hip hop clubs and sort of the, you know, for lack of a better word, the straight clubs. I always love it that we get back into like, you know, danceable BPM because so much of what's hip hop and R&B these days, it's, it can be good, but it's not really like the greatest thing to dance to. Well, I mean, you explain in the podcast, there's something about the magic number of 120 beats per minute that speak yeah. to the soul. Can you walk the audience through beats per minute and what that means? Yeah, I mean, well, beats per minute, I mean, you know, so most of your hip hop nowadays can be anywhere as slow as like 60 BPM to, you know, maybe as fast as 80. But like, you know, all that stuff that's like, you know, Drake and all that stuff, like you can bounce to it, but it's it's pretty slow. And for a long time, pop music in general, from like the Motown era through the Michael Jackson era, and really up until the 90s, it was almost always like 120, which is that disco dance beat. You know, it's everything from Don't Stop Till You Get Enough to, you know, When Doves Cry, you know. And uh, somewhere in the 90s, everything slowed down to the 90s. In the 2000s, Missy Elliott took it back up to about 120 with songs like Lose Control, and then it really slowed down during the Drake 20 teens to the point where like, now it's kind of hard to dance to some of this stuff. You know, um, I blame, I blame recreational marijuana, you know, like you don't always, like, dance yeah. when you're smoked out. But, um, but I like the fact that like Beyonce came out with a dance record and everything from cuff it to break my soul to the break my soul remix to uh, one of my favorite songs on the entire album, Summer Renaissance. Like these are very, which samples Donna Summer's I Feel Love. These are oh, very yes. fun songs. Yeah, totally. Love them. Um, that's what the thing is that the artistry that went into this one song and the entire Renaissance album, you also, uh, mentioned that this is one continuous album and you actually brought up Daft Punk in terms of that <laughs> is that they would do one continuous album. And I love yeah, the LCD yeah. reference because your podcast is like a losing my edge. It's like a, an audio <laughs> losing my edge that's where fair. I'm like, Oh my God. It's like, that's a two-sided compliment, which is fair. <laughs> we'll take yeah, it. We but, but I was, I was there. Right. I was there at the standard yeah. hotel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's what, like, that's what these, like, I don't know. This is why I think your podcast works so well is that it made me go down this musical, not musical K-hole. It was like a musical journey of all of these songs that I've loved in the past of all of the, you know, and then to the, go to that Prince episode when you were breaking down the stems from like, let's go crazy and what your favorite Prince songs were. And I was geeking out there with you, but what also works is your relationship. You guys just bouncing off funny stories. How did you guys hook up? What's your stories uh, with each other? Well, I'll, I'll go first. Basically, um, Blake and I were introduced by a, by a DJ friend of ours, uh, DJ Daisy O'Dell. Shout out to 
Daisy, you know, like, and, and, you know, first impressions, whatever, you know, we were friendly enough, but it was during <laughs> the pandemic. Wow. Wait, what was your first impression? <laughs> yeah. I haven't it's heard this It's a pandemic for me to really like you. Party. Like, you know, Did we you were not like me? Party. What's happening? What? You no, no, no. What I'm mean? saying, like, <laughs> listen, man, I mean, like, I feel like you were on the scene, like, I feel like, you know, Blake, you know, was the kind of guy, his band would play like at Echo Plex, and Daisy was... Really cool. She was she was at the standard and I was, you know, at Ledoux. Like we were part of a generation that, you know, had a lot of fun in the two thousands. By the twenty teens, we're like at kids' birthday parties, you know, in, in Glendale. <laughs> right. And it, it was it was chill. It was laid back. But my point was that uh during the pandemic, uh Blake started putting out these TikToks that I thought were really good. And I would just call him and say, Hey, that fact that you 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 were putting out there, but that's such a cool fact. Did you know this fact about that song? And he'd be like, <laughs> No, or he'd be like, Yes, and, and we'd go even deeper. And like pretty soon we were talking all the time and we would I would call for like five minutes and then it would end up being like a one hour conversation. You know what I mean? Like kids getting completely ignored, you know, just so we could <laughs> talk and talk and talk. And uh at some point we just decided to to do a podcast, you know, like uh, Kevin Hart's people came and they were like, hey, do you want to do a podcast? And we have these, you know, these influencers, sorry to use the term, influencers that we, you know, you should look at. And I was like, no, look at this guy's videos. You know, his his videos are great. And me and him are talking all the time anyway. And then they saw those videos. They loved Blake. We got it together. And after about two and a half years of trying to figure out a deal. Yeah. <laughs> we actually, but it worked out perfectly because we started doing these podcasts during a strike when, you know, I couldn't do anything that I would normally be doing anyway. And it actually, it worked out perfectly. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm glad this, I'm glad, I mean, I hate to say I'm glad the pandemic and the strike happened, but I'm glad because this is truly uh, a joy to listen to. It's a celebration of Thank music. Um, Beyonce, Wait, though. Can I, can I just tell you, Ryan, it only yeah, yeah. took two you know, once in a lifetime catastrophes to make this podcast happen. So the good exactly. news is that we are here. <laughs> yes, you are here. Uh, Beyonce, your most recent episode, what makes her a once in a lifetime type of artist? And can you trace her evolution up to the Renaissance album? That's a big question. Diallo, do you want to try and handle that one? <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's funny. I feel like, you know, uh, I mean, gosh, you talk about an evolution. I mean, she comes onto the scene. We've all seen the Star Search, the the cute little clip from Star Search. And then, you know, we were all, you know, especially as a DJ in the 2000s, you know, Destiny's Child was unavoidable. Uh, we always sort of figured that there was probably a, a solo album in this individual. But, yeah, there's there's nobody like Beyonce. The same way there's nobody like, you know, James Brown or, or Michael Jackson or Prince. Like, you can't just invent uh, a Beyonce. And I think that, you know, both Blake and I went to her recent concert at SoFi for the Renaissance tour, yeah. uh, decked out in all our silver yeah. finest. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, to those listening in your cars, Ryan, definitely pulling out the shirt right now. I think that was a shirt. Um, it's, yeah. it's just one of those things where like she inspires so much in people and it's become far more. I mean, like what's weird to me is you, you've got Beyonce and you've got Taylor sort of happening at the same time. I mean, like, these are these are artists that are so far beyond just people who put out music. Like, they sort of, you know, they can inspire, you know, entire generations and and apparently even change the NFL ratings. I mean, like, the, it's, it's not so much more than music at this point. Uh, it really is. In fact, I wanted to, to drop this to the audience. 
is that a New York Times or Forbes actually just revealed uh, this past week that the Beyonce tour in North America, or it generated $4.4 billion for the American economy by the end wow. of the Renaissance tour. I mean, that's more than the Olympics does. Wow. That's insane. I mean, that's a cool insane. stat. And like, I, love you know, <laughs> I know people who went and saw her in, in Houston and Atlanta and LA. I mean, like it really is, you know, it's, it's, it's beyond grateful dead levels of just like, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> Stop doing what I was doing for a living and just follow Beyonce around the country. It's 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 really remarkable. And I feel like, you know, our, our podcast is very inclusive. Like we made sure that for this Beyonce episode, we brought on a member of the Beehive. So we definitely brought uh, <laughs> my good friend Brisha Webb on the show. Uh, she has always been somebody who has absolutely been a Beyonce devotee. And uh, we just we, we couldn't do the episode without having a member of the Hive there. And by the way, she has a great, uh, she has a very powerful voice. I mean, she sounds like she could be on the track because she's like singing at certain points. And I was like, <laughs> damn, the, the the boost of this voice is wild. That's the other thing, you guys. It's sometimes just them, but they also have their guest. Diallo had his writing partner on, which I have like a bone to pick because he said he left Prince at Coachella early to get home. <laughs> and I was like, are you out of, I, w- I was there and I was like, yeah. how dare you leave? And then Make they had Punky Johnson. From SNL, Johnson was amazing. D- DJ we Cascade had, was on this show, which was so cool. I mean, like I've been following Cascade's music as a DJ since you know he was doing like the the sort of deep house music of, of San Francisco era, you know, and like it was it was great seeing him. Um, we we really tried to go out of our way. We have an upcoming episode with um, Jimmy Jam, and it's all it's it's just it's a Janet Jackson beat yes. That was Wait, you have a Jimmy. You yes. have a Jimmy Jam Janet Jackson episode? We just recorded Absolutely. it last week. We we, we got yeah. I mean we we kept going so it's probably going to be a two-parter and we're probably just doing a part episode. Yeah. We're actually se- semi breaking the format instead of one song we're doing one album so we're talking about Control and talking Jimmy Jam control. talking about Control. This is yeah. a this is a this is a memorable life moment for both Diallo and I having this conversation. We cannot wait to share it with everybody. It was so incredible. I mean this what a man. This is what pop culture yeah. is about. This is what, I mean, yeah. the appreciating these things and diving in. To dive a little bit more into the Renaissance album, um, you you know, this also is kind of a love letter to house music in a lot of ways yes. that you point out. And just for the audience that, you know, is confused about different styles of music, uh, <laughs> what is house music? I mean, in the purest sense, house music is dance music primarily made with, you know, electronic slash, you know, computer instruments, you know, that, that was this original definition that took it away from disco and garage. So if disco was, you know, that 20 piece orchestra with like violins and all that stuff and, and, and garage was like a little, you know, more R and B, but still sort of, you know, made with instruments house music, which takes its name from a club called the warehouse in Chicago, shout out to the city of Chicago. Um, House music was, you know, made on really, you know, cheap, affordable electronic instruments. But it it expanded out of that scene, which was was largely uh, black, you know, gay, Latino scene in, in Chicago. And it, it sort of took the world by storm um, to the extent that, you know, when I was coming up, we associated it more with Europe than we did with, you know, the gay Chicago scene. Um, but, you know, over time, I feel like, well, we talk about this a little bit on that uh, Prince episode, when Daft Punk brought out the pyramid at the 2006 Coachella, it converted millennials to dance music in ways that 
the previous generation had never really embraced it. The previous generation right. saw dance music as that cheesy music that Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell are bobbing their heads to in Night of the Rock. <laughs> You know, you right. could, it couldn't escape that. It was always another night, another dream. But always you, like it couldn't get past that. But, you know, Dad Puck was one of the first groups. And I, I'm going to show my age. I, I actually, the first electronic album that I truly loved, uh, that coincidentally, like Beyonce sort of strung a whole bunch of songs together, was Chemical Brothers' Surrender album. Um, yes. You know, this was a generation of hip, of, of house music that sort of like, you know, it, it finally won over America. So suddenly, you know, it wasn't all just hip hop and rock. There was a lot of house music out there, a lot of, and eventually house sort of, you know, spread out into techno and electronic dance music slash EDM. You know, there are a lot of different types, but it's all essentially house in the, in the purest sense. I don't know. Luxury, did I get any of that right? All that sounded <laughs> good. The only, the only, the two things I would add is what the kind of important thing and, and to kind of, uh, you know, what what happened with Daft Punk, what they brought back was something that had been lost in America only, kind of not the rest of the world. Because in 1980, we have this famous racist, homophobic disco demolition event, which takes right. place in, in Comiskey <laughs> Park in Chicago, <laughs> in Comiskey Park in Chicago, oh, wow. where yeah. a bunch of the white multitudes, DJ, white male DJs, these sort of like rock jocks had this uh, publicity stunt event where they had people come and burn Disco records in the a giant bonfire records, became yeah. it became a big riot, and it was this sort of seminal moment in culture where we get this uh, received idea of disco sucks that kind of becomes unquestioned for a while. But it, it, it's sort of a backlash which has very racist and homophobic origins, but it really sets the scene for the next thirty years in America. Meanwhile, the rest of the world continues to love dance music. It evolves in America too. It evolves into house music in Chicago, but it's more underground. And it doesn't have quite the same profile that it does elsewhere until, you know, kind of this moment in the mid 2000s where thanks to blogs and Bloghouse and Justice and Daft Punk, it this generation skipped over that middle part that sort of Gen X and boomers, frankly, had to experience where disco is not not only not cool, but it's like it sucks and it's bad. And no one without really questioning why you why you think that that's sort of an idea that is pervasive in America culturally. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching the Bee Gees documentary and they talked about the whole disco sucks exactly, thing. Yeah. And it's just wild. Um, when I listened uh, back to Break My Soul and you guys talk about this, um, it, it's just how many things are built into this from the Big Frida sample, you know, and Big oh. Frida, by the way, she is responsible for bounce music. And can you walk us through who Big Frida is if people don't know, which you should know, but she is that voice in Break My Soul. <laughs> Lecture, you can start us off with. No, I was going to say, Diallo, you're the like the bounce uh, expert. Well, so, like... listen, I grew up in Atlanta, and so Atlanta was, I mean, one of the reasons why it's so centered to dance, I mean, not dance music, but just pop music in general, is because we're sort of at a crossroads. We got everything from New York and L.A., but then we also got a lot of, like, you know, that Miami-based music that Two Live Crew and Luther Campbell were making uh, <laughs> that ironically influenced a lot of Chemical Brothers sounds. And then we got music from... Louisiana. And I remember going to a high school football game and somebody say, yo, you got to check out this track by DJ Jimmy. And it was a song called Where They At. And, you know, you can look it up to this day. I'm not going to say any of the lyrics because Bounce is filthy. <laughs> Bounce is not, <laughs> it's not before, before noon music, I, I feel like. But Punky Johnson would probably disagree. Shout out to New Orleans. Um, no, bounce music is amazing. And Big Freed is such a big part of that. And, 
And she and so many of the other performers, you know, like were really pushing boundaries, not just lyrically, but in terms of identity really early on. But people loved the songs because they were super infectious. And, you know, Beyonce recognized that. And so, you know, like you've got Big Frida, you know, on on this record, you had it on the um, formation, on the song Formation. I mean, like, you know, Big Frida, like there's something about that voice. I, I was actually up at um at a at a festival up in, in San Francisco to speak, but they had they had my talk at the exact same time as they had Frida out on the quad. And I was Perfect. like, that's just not fair. Nothing I say <laughs> is gonna be as exciting as watching Frida live. So, you know, make sure that you they they say in show business never act opposite animals, babies, or Frida because you're just gonna lose <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah by the way i got to see big frida they 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 were at this festival in los angeles before lcd sound system or like she opened oh, no up way. the festival and they got to at like lcd asked big frida to play and i thought it was so great but that's why like beyonce and these people you know raising up these other voices that we should know that have like part of the music culture and i was thinking about how like paul mccartney always talks about waking up and like he had dreamt yesterday like overnight yeah, and he just eggs. put it scrambled down. eggs <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you have Beyonce. Would you tell like this thing, the production on this, there are so many layers and luxury. You do such a good job of breaking down. Like you'll even play these music stems of this is what you're hearing right here. I was really blown away in the Prince episode when I wasn't even hearing like the jangly piano in the background. That like, <laughs> But you, you break this down in such a great way. I mean, the production on Renaissance, how many people had to have worked on this? <laughs> That's a big part of the that album. And I think its importance moving forward is a couple of things. First of all, if you buy, I have the vinyl and like there's an entire page with the credits. I think it's also on the website. I don't never counted the names, but it's movie <laughs> level. There's a hundred something names. In part, that's because it's a collaborative album. It's intended to be, you know, if you try to compare it with sort of like a singer songwriter album or something like that, that's that's not the right comparison. The right comparison is this is her trying to find collaborative just get from other people on purpose like what they bring to the equation so if you work with tricky in the dream it's different than if you work with you know so across the board from one song to the next you've got um intentionally different sounds ideas and vibes and then you've also got interpolations and samples so a lot of the names in the credits come from the fact that and this is also intentional she's giving a shout out to um to Tina Marie, ooh la la la, just for a little moment. She's giving mm -hmm. a shout out to Right Said Fred <laughs> with a little I'm too sexy <laughs> reference here and there. And all of these references and homages are intentional. And, and those are kind of funny ones to pick when it's a love letter to dance music. A better one would be um, you know, Show Me Love and Robin S. So across the album, and then literally with Big Frida, who appears that same sample which begins the song, the release your release your that actually also is in the previous song, Energy. So Big Frida gets credit in two songs from just the one sample because it just one is sample. on the borderline yeah. between the two songs. What she's doing here is, we, we talk about it on the episode, we don't know exactly the intent behind it. It simultaneously does cover a lot of ground, legally speaking, which is wise. But at the same time, you can tell that there is an active goal of ensuring people learn about, and if they're reading the credits, maybe investigate some of her predecessors, her musical predecessors, her musical inspirations. Clearly, that's of it, importance. It's to her. almost, if I can piggyback on that, it's almost like um, we are living in the post blurred lines world where, 
you get yep. the sense that there are people sitting in the studio talking about other songs that may not even get incorporated into the song, but as a way of sort of covering their backs. They're like, well, you know, we did talk about everybody, everybody. So, but we didn't end up using it. Ours goes, <laughs> you know, ours goes, everybody, you know, like ours is very different. <laughs> yeah. But why don't we go ahead and, you know, give them their due as well, just to cover any potential legal entanglements. You know, you don't want those well, and what, entanglements. And what you guys brought up in the episode, and just to explain to the audience what you meant, is that Blurred Lines, obviously, uh, the yeah. Marvin Gaye estate, uh, sued uh, Robin Thicke or uh, uh, Pharrell. Pharrell. I'm saying Alan, yeah. Alan Thicke and Pharrell. <laughs> Alan Thicke. Pharrell. <laughs> it is Alan Thicke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. A, <laughs> but like they sued and they won. And since then, now everybody can lay claims right. to songs. I mean, most recently we had Paramore with Olivia Rodrigo. We've had all of these things now, you know, getting paid off of these songs when in the artistic process, I imagine that's the one thing I kept thinking about listening to this episode is how did Beyonce steer this ship? How do you have so many people working on it and kind of almost like Steve Jobs with Apple? How did you, how do you, how did Beyonce steer this ship? That I'm She's so a curious. That, that woman is a Virgo. <laughs> that's the answer right there. It's all you need to know. She's my Virgo sister. As a Virgo, I, I understand that little slice of her. I don't understand. There's plenty she's able to do that. I am not. But like part of it is organization. Obviously, she's an executive producer. Obviously, she has a massive team with a lot of talent and resources and you know accessibility and her Rolodex. And uh, there's a million reasons why she has the ability to make an album like this happen, of course. But I think the choice to make it the way she did and to give credit the way she did, again, the intent was probably a little bit of covering your butt a little bit, legally speaking, maybe a lot. But also maybe that turns into, maybe you twist that, maybe you pivot on that and go, you know what, this whole thing, let's move forward with an attitude of like, giving reference doesn't take anything away from the art. It doesn't take anything away from people's love for me and belief that I have talent. Like what is really the fear behind not revealing your influences? It used to be fear of being sued. Maybe it used to be fear though, because I'm, I'm a musician, I'm in the room and I have to go through this process myself when I collaborate. The one reason, you know, one thing that Jimmy Jam said when we interviewed him is that one of the best decisions he ever made was when he and Terry Lewis got together to collaborate, f f came out of the time, got fired by Prince from the time, you know, made some records, Sherelle, et cetera. And then Janet Jackson, their career blows up for 40 years. Their biggest, maybe the biggest hit makers alive today, 60 number ones. They decided day one that they're 50-50. So that collaboration, anything they ever do, they never worry about like, oh, I want to make sure that my title is being used. All these yeah, little, and th these, know, like, I, I did the, I did the, the bass and the right. guitar. You just did these the are drum. normal. Like, these are that. normal. <laughs> As a creator, these are normal things to kind of be thinking about. But once you get that off the table, and Diallo have a sim and I have a similar thing. So we are wanting the best possible episode. We are wanting the best possible song. And if that means that on this episode, it's kind of 80% Diallo, 20% me, or this episode, the, the reverse, it, that's what the, is required. And it'll be a good show. And I'm okay to sit back and let him shine. And I feel the same way from him. So that's a really big part of the creative process. And I think I think Beyonce's album and the credits perhaps reflect a little bit of that idea. You guys are Lennon and McCartney of podcasts, so I'm not going to even. Uh, you guys equal equal. I mean, they're going to be arguing about this podcast for decades to come. But two more things about the Renaissance album that I learned that I was just so in love with is you got to take us through the um, uh, you got to take us through the sample of, or not the sample, the version of Show Me Love 
that is mm. in or aspects of that right. are in this song. Um, if nobody, re- if I mean, you guys got to remember Show Me Love, but it, it, but you even talked about being like a demo singer on Luxury and how demo singers work. And right. can you kind of tell us the little story about Show Me Love in this album? Yeah, I mean, I'll try to do the condensed version because it is yeah, not only a, yeah. it's a it, it is a big story with a lot of like you know p- people and ideas within it. But the basic idea is that "Show Me Love," the Robin S. song from I think it's nineteen ninety two, you've got to show me love, and then it's got that sound, a very distinctive keyboard sound and a very distinctive drum pattern. So all this is the setup for "Break My Soul." does not use any of the melodies, not even any of the chord changes. It doesn't really use anything of Show Me Love, no lyrics. But what it does use is the same keyboard synthesizer patch. It's a Korg M1. It's the Organ 2 preset. If you buy a Korg M1, you will get that sound. And if you play the songs back to back, you'll hear what I'm saying. It's the dun, 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 dun. And in Show Me Love, it's dun, 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 dun. It's, 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 it's literally just a synthesizer patch. But what they did in show in um, Beyonce's song, in, in um, I almost said Show Me Love, in Break My Soul, which, by the way, is significant. I actually, my theory is that they were listening to Show Me Love. Maybe they stripped off the acapella and listened to the instrumental. And she started singing... Break my soul, show me love. It's the same syllabic. Do you know what I mean? Like there's so many yeah. things that were clearly inspired by it. By the end of the song, it, a decision was made to credit the co-writers of Show Me Love, even though nothing of the song of substance, like in a courtroom situation, you know, technically speaking, was the same as that song. Again, partially perhaps to cover their ass in case some sort of Robin Thicke-esque lawsuit was raised, which is a reasonable concern, especially if you're Beyonce, um, people are going to be looking to see what can what can we get out of her? Oh, she used something I did. That's that's very understandable. She'd be concerned about that. But it also might have just been a way of saying, yeah, I was inspired by this seminal song by this black woman who really didn't get her dues because, by the way, she's not even considered a writer of that song. So she doesn't get a penny of royalties from it. Her entire career, if you want to give Robin S money, Go see her live. She'll make that money. But it's got nothing to do with streaming her song. So th- yeah. there's a lot of complexity built into how the music industry credits. We've got to show Robin S love. That's yeah, we got to show her love. Give her some love. Yeah. And that's, um, and that's what I, you guys are doing. Yeah. Can I take one? I'm only going to take issue with one thing. I think the syllabic thing, I, I, I don't know if I've ever even shared this on my own podcast. So this might be a, 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 a so bad it's good exclusive. My <laughs> personal theory. Yes. My personal theory is that. You hit a pop song out of the park when you have three syllables. So yeah, show me love, break my soul. But no, it's specifically the, I noticed it during the the Katy Perry years with uh, Dr. Luke when when teenage dream uh, fireworks. Like I was just like everything's got to be three syllables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the name of the song? Was it yeah? Oh, blah. No, sorry, blah, blah, blah. Uh, bye, bye, bye. Like there's something about the three syllables. You, if you okay. have that in your pop song, you're like halfway to the hit. I, that, of that, I am thoroughly convinced. It doesn't matter how you get to the three syllables, but there's three syllables every time. 
Um, you guys got to listen to this episode because it even goes deeper and we're not going to get into it now, but you learn who Stonebridge is. You learn about the Andrea Martin vocal. You learn all of these little yes, facts Andrea that you will, you, you will, you will take through your day and you'll be able to impress your music friends. You'll be able to impress <laughs> all of this. Also, what I love, you even bring up the Beyonce remix where she actually, you know, does the Vogue, yeah. like does the, the it shout out to Madonna. Yes. By the yep. way, Andrea True, more, more, more. Three syllables. It's just it's, it's <laughs> so many times. It's and by insane. the way, Ryan, you kind of nailed it. One of the goals for the podcast, we sort of alluded earlier, like these are big, iconic songs. And one of the things that is our goal is like, maybe you've heard this song so many times, you never need to hear it again in theory. That's part of what we go into this. It's like, we're, we're trying to shake, you know, scrape off a layer of rust on a song like, you know, CV Wonder Superstition. We talk about this in that episode. It's like, maybe we've all heard Superstition enough songs, we get it. What we've done by breaking it down, our hope for, for the audience as well as ourselves in the process of making it is to like hear it for the first time because we're yeah. just hearing the isolated vocals, isolated drums, stuff you never noticed before. And then Ryan, you made the point, we want you to leave the episode. And next time the song comes on, we want you to nudge your friend with the fact that only you know that they don't know about the song that you learned from our podcast. Yeah, oh, you know what exactly. happened here? You guys will remain friends and you won't become a completely <laughs> yeah, annoying yeah. person. This guy's true. always trying to tell me something I don't know. <laughs> there's a line, there's a line you don't want to cross. There's a line yeah. you don't want to cross, but you want to be like the, the, the fun version, not the irritating version of that person. Uh, um, so can you speak? The, what I what I also love about the Renaissance album is that it's an album that continues to grow on me each listen. And Beyonce, I thought this is what's great that she's an artist that is continually pushing herself. A lot of artists don't do that. They go for the pop song. They go for something that is, you know, that, that is almost soulless in yeah. a way. And Beyonce did something difficult that on the first listen, you like it, but you, yeah. you know, you're, you're learning, you're learning. And then it's one of those albums that grows and grows to where it's like, oh, is this one of my favorite albums? And Beyonce <laughs> did that with Lemonade, I thought. Like, yeah. Beyonce does that where she started earlier in the career where it was like, oh, these are hits. These are hits for pop radio. These are hits. And now it's moved into this artistry. And a lot of your, a lot of the, the artists you pick now really does. It, it impresses upon me the artistry that goes into the artists that you choose on this show. Um, can you speak to Beyonce as a live performer with the Renaissance tour? Because we just got news that AMC theaters, they are doing the Beyonce Renaissance movie that she directed December 1st. I stayed up till midnight and got my tickets on. I got my tickets for <laughs> wow. LA for like okay. the first night. Cause I'm just so excited about this, but it's $7 million. The first day of sales for wow. Beyonce's movie. Um, can you speak to her as a live performer and why will you guys be going to see this this concert movie? I'll just I quickly mean, yeah, say I mean, like, so you go for it. I, I was just going to quickly say like, I will definitely be going. I didn't get day one ticket. So good on you, Ryan. <laughs> uh, I, will, I, I can't wait to go though. I mean, yeah, like, good, wouldn't good it be cool me, if yeah. this becomes... What if this becomes like our generation's like Rocky Horror Picture Show and like everyone goes and shows up and dances and like mouths, you know, things she says on screen. But yes. um, the other thing... The other thing I was going to say is that, and we talk about this a little on the podcast, so I'll give you the condensed version. Part of my theory is that having, I, I rewatched Homecoming recently in, you know, from 2018, Beyonce's last yeah. concert film. And in the wake of Renaissance having come out since then and then sort of preparing for the show, what I noticed is, oh, I wonder if she came out of Homecoming and thought, I want to do the album version of a live show where it's, sequence kind of more like a mixtape it's a continuous mix of music and things sort of stream from one song overlaps into the next like i mentioned that big frida sample which is in energy and then you go into break my soul it's a seamless there's three songs in a row that don't stop you know that end with break my soul that's like a three song suite if you will very much like 
her live show, very much like what she did in Homecoming and what a lot of artists do in their live show is sort of turn it into more of a seamless thing. But I hadn't really noticed before that uh, uniquely in this album, to me, it feels like she's making a Beyonce album that could also be a Beyonce live show in, in many ways. And I know she get one last thing I'll say is I know she gave this um, producer Amorphous. I don't know if you know about about them, but they're um, a young queer um, producer who blew up on TikTok just a couple years ago, went from like zero to literally sequencing the music for Beyonce's live show based on their remixing skills. So I know that it was a and, and like credited sort of above the line in that sense. So it was a big, important part of the tour and part of the album to have this seamless experience where things are weaving into each other and all these references are happening. That was less short than I thought it would be. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I said, see, this is why we do the podcast, because I feel like I'm learning from you all the time. You know, the thing that I was really struck by was that, you know, Beyonce, like, SoFi is a really big place for anybody that has never been. And, you know, everybody's sitting there wondering how this thing's going to start. She actually started the show by belting, you know, some ballads. Like, she didn't come out with, like, right. the crazy get up, like, straight off the bat. Like, she kind of came out and reminded you, this is what my voice is capable of, just on its own. You know, just just singing yeah, there. And to I remind think you. That, what's that? To remind you just the power that she has just with her voice. Exactly. And so I'm wondering if the if if, if any movie's gonna start off like that. Um I also think quite honestly, you know, it's hard to see what what um Taylor's era's tour was doing. And, you know, it was very known in the music in the movie business that, oh, there's gonna be a live, you know, there's gonna be a, a movie version of this. I mean, like I just feel like both of them are, you know, I can't even imagine what would happen to the world if they made a song together. Like it's just <laughs> I have to really wonder what that's that the would apocalypse. Be like. I'm sure that's never yeah. that would end in the world. That would be I think it would the end apocalypse. The, it would we're talking, you know, it wouldn't break the internet, it would break the space-time continuum. I feel like um, Taylor wants that more than Beyonce does, though. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Like in a big I way. Like Beyonce don't, she's like, eh, I don't okay, think Beyonce yeah, wants that so much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but there are about eight industries that would freaking love it if that were to happen. I think. I'm so curious to see how she's going to start the movie. She's going to start it like the live show. Um, a, a really, you know, another friend of mine who's definitely Hive uh, was like, you know, I, I saw all three shows in LA and I think this is her unannounced farewell tour. And I was like, really? She was like, yes, I've been to all of her concerts and I've never <laughs> seen her do a career retrospective because there's wow. a lot of renaissance in this concert, but there's a lot of, previous albums in this concert too and so that's one person sort of like you know take is that this this could be considered like she might be like sort of clearing off her plate so to speak by giving people this chance to see her you know i don't want to say one last time i don't think she could ever walk away entirely but it is something interesting that i heard i think that to see her live is to really see a person who's completely comfortable oh and then she brings out her daughter like there's so much going on in that concert that was just amazing. The the freaking horse that they brought out on the stage. I'm still thinking about that horse. That horse was gigantic. I, there's just so much to unpack. It was it was and it looks like with, with the two movie, and a half hours, I had sensory overload. Well, with the movie, it looks like you're going to get behind the scenes footage as well if you watch it. So I'm excited to see that. I love the blending of those things. And it is interesting. We live in a time, and I'm glad we do, that we have a Taylor and a Beyonce, even though they make me feel two completely different things. But it makes 
but it makes people love something. It makes people go out and do yes. something. If we can save the movies through concert films, are you kidding me? Like, hell yes, bring bring that on. Um, yeah. uh, so that's the other thing uh, before we start winding down here is that Beyonce, uh, there was this rumor that this was just act one, right? This was act one, that we were potentially getting two more acts oh, right. of this album. What, Forgot about that. You know, we never got the visuals, even though she says that we are the visuals. We are, the audience are the visuals. Where is Beyonce headed? You said she possibly might retire according to the Beehive, but it, it seems like there might be something more. Are we just greedy to want that? Or is she legitimately hinted at that? Did she specifically say two more albums of music or is the tour part two and the movies part three? Okay, you just really bummed me out, Luxury. Like, I, <laughs> no, probably, I mean, that, no, 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 I'm only, I'm only, I'm only building, I'm only building on what you okay. guys were saying because I've been assuming there were two more albums coming and that they would be <laughs> kind of Renaissance Part Two and Three. But now, what you guys are saying, I'm like, wait a second, is this just like a language thing? Is she tricking us with air quotes about like what actually like, three like, are? Before, before the internet is like this is the Al Riddles theory. This is a theory that was presented to me. <laughs> That I thought was rather interesting, <laughs> but I have no inside information that I'm that I that I am sharing right now. Um, also, you did uh, what I was curious about with your guest on the the Break My Soul is that do you have to pay dues to be in the Beehive? Like, how do you how do you become an actual member of the Beehive? Uh, you have to get branded. <laughs> no, I don't. Know. I think <laughs> yeah, you just have to show some love. <laughs> it's like it's like Nixium. It's yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's not like soccer hooliganism. It's not, you don't have to like go out in the streets and beat up all the, uh, uh, I'm not going to make that joke. I will. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's funny is that um, I really do feel like, uh, it, like you said, it's, it's, it's nice that in today's society, there's something that people can truly love. And this is just one of those things that, you know, cuts across so many. It's so specific, you know, and, and, and you were asking, and you were asking earlier about like, how, you know, how do we select our songs and like, you know, what makes this Beyonce album? I mean, I, I think one of the things that makes this Beyonce album not just a collection of pop songs is is because it is, you know, something that's recorded dedicating to her uncle, you know, who was in this scene. And I think yeah. that, you know, it's... Who died it, of complications of AIDS, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And I think that one of the things that's, you know, really cool about it is that it it, it's, it comes from a specific, you know culture and yet it it cuts across so many lines you know and he had so many people you know wearing the silver and participating even though a lot i guess the memo didn't go out to everybody in la about what to do when she says on mute because our 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 night was pure trash like everybody was like screaming through the mute moment everybody got it together by monday after some social <laughs> shaming but um it, it was just great seeing so many different types of humanity just come out and, and support and celebrate this black music star who you don't get the sense is being, you know, manipulated by some unseen, you know, record label. No, she's, she's the woman in charge. And I think that's beautiful. Um, okay. Do you guys have 10 more minutes? <laughs> we do. Sure. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I'm geeking out really hard. Want to switch it a little bit. Uh, one more music question before we get into a little bit of Bravo. I'm sorry. Luxury um, <laughs> is, what are the most annoying trends in pop music today or stuff that kind of gets on your nerves uh, as a seasoned listener? I mean, I'm not a big fan of, I'm not even going to try it, but the singing in cursive thing is, do you know about that? No. What I is that? Oh my God. I've just backed myself in the corner there. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just the sort of style of singing where it's a little bit, er, oh man, I'm going to have to come up with an example. 
as soon as we're done with the podcast, I'll have like 50. By the way, like my, Blake, I don't, I don't know what yeah. singing cursive is. What is this? Again, as soon as we're done talking, I'll have Who is it like maybe the boy, the voice is it's like, a, it's a like, way of singing. It's ooh. usually a woman. It's a, it's a usually a female voice and it's a little bit like inauthentic sounding. It's sound it's sort of like a choice of a character, but it's a little bit, it's kind of Gen Z ish. That's the best I can do. I will find 50 examples as soon as we're done recording. But right now my mind is total blank. So we'll come back to that. Uh, who, who, here, is known, who is known for singing in this style? That That's I'm literally really what I want to know. I'm literally just going to Google it so that I can give you obvious <laughs> examples. Um, um, it says when you're singing <laughs> to enhance the sound with long, long strange vowels, vocal fry, lack of Selena diction, Gomez, and George Smith, Halsey. Halsey, that's a great example. There's... <laughs> It's kind of a babyish. Again, I'm not very good at doing vocal characterization, like as like unlike Brisha, who's like Brisha Webb, who's our guest on Beyonce, who can literally do anybody from Beyonce to Lena Horne to Eartha Kitt to like a million in between. Yeah. Um. So, oh, you know what? This is kind of funny. Like, there's kind of a like connection with that emo moment. Like, it's a little bit. It might be. I'll do a deeper dive. This might be an episode being born Maybe. right now. Because I want to do a deep dive on this personally, just to kind of better, you know, explain it when I bring it up. But there is a connection to that kind of Blink One Eighty Two. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, there's a little bit of that, like, whatever that is, a sort of a Californianist, <laughs> oh, yeah, a kind of the Californians. It's like if Fred yeah, from SNL, yeah. SNL, where we're literally going to sing a Halsey song, it would kind of make sense. And like, <laughs> I got to work on this. I'm going to work on this. Okay. I'll get back. I like you it. I like work it. on this. You know what? You're going to get on the 405 and you're going to take it to the 101. <laughs> and you're going to go home. <laughs> okay. I'm going to ask a very offensive question, uh, probably. Uh, Diallo, this is for you. Okay. What uh, Bravo star would you be willing to do a one song episode on? A one song? Ep- oh, gosh. Um like Sheena, like Sheena, good as gold. Countess Luann, yeah, money can't good buy as you gold. Class. I mean, like, I, you know, I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think good as gold only because it's more recent than like you know some of the older ones or whatever. But actually, no, the only deep dive that I think is really worth doing is um uh is Miami because I feel like they make so many references to Miami being on fire, fuego, fuego. Uh, I am. Always down to do a, a deep dive on some of the horrible songs, <laughs> and I feel bad because there's really only one singer on Miami. But um, <laughs> but I am excited to see Miami's coming back. I mean, like you know, it, it's not even about Marisol; it's about you know. I, I just I, they say such terribly <laughs> terrible like things to one another. It, it, yeah. I don't know. I have no nose for Miami. It's 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 a it's definitely a joy. So I think I would do an all Miami episode. Uh, I need some quick Bravo takes. Now, Luxury, you don't watch any Bravo. Is that correct? I, I'm i enjoying listening to you, but it's like you're talking a different language. So, yes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I can't, I okay, can't okay, so, participate. <laughs> okay, well, we'll hopefully get you an interpreter here in a second. But, Diallo, <laughs> we just got the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills trailer for season 13. Yes. What were your thoughts on this trailer, this three-minute trailer, one minute and 26 seconds less than Break My Soul? What did you feel? Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the good and the bad. I, I felt good seeing, uh, Denise. I was always team Denise. I thought that she got a very bum rap. Oh gosh. You know, she talked about, you know, hooking up with a woman 
at a table far away from the kids. How dare she? Everybody was like, touch the pearls. This is unheard of, you know? And then fast forward to now Kyle is, you know, leaving her husband for a woman. I mean, like, it's insane, the double standard. I, I'm going to call that out right now. But I will also say that um, I'm, I'm skeptical. You know, I'm a little skeptical about this Kyle storyline. I feel like the entire Bravo universe saw what Scandaval did for Vanderpump Rules. And so they're all looking for, like, the ultimate scandal. And I feel like Kyle picked the absolute safest scandal uh, ever known to mankind. The safest scandal. This, this is the safest scandal. I don't know if I'm buying it, man. I just feel like oh, I will watch this, but I don't know if if I'm buying the Kyle, you know, Mauricio storyline. It, it's a terrible thing to admit. It's a terrible thing to admit, but I just feel like there is a business of Bravo, and somebody decided that they had to have scandal at the highest level. Um, and for Kyle, I think her main issue was that she was struggling to figure out a way to fit the word scandal into the name Kyle Richards. I mean, uh, Skydol? I don't, I don't know what you would call I, it. it. Nothing. Yeah, I've been trying to think of one Nobody for like months now. Nothing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, look, I'm so happy that they're coming back. I feel like I need it in my life. I'm also enjoying the heck out of Salt Lake City right now. I think that that show is back in just a major way. Um, I'm loving everything about uh, what's happening uh, with this weird, you know, Monica and and Lisa and her sixty thousand dollar ring. I mean, like it's 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 been a blast. I like that we keep bringing up Middle America in regards to Lisa Barlow, which is hysterical <laughs> to me on so many levels. But I always say Salt Lake works for me because you know each franchise, like Beverly Hills, is very Michael Bay to me, whereas <laughs> Salt Lake has that foundation of religion, but it's very David, it's very Lynchian. It's very David Lynch because each of those ladies, like Mary Cosby's in a van, like doing scenes with McDonald's, like uh, fish and filet of fish. You have Heather Gay pissing in a sprinter van. You have, you know, like everybody's on their own wave. And I find that so interesting and it's very unique to Salt Lake. It's, it's so good. And I didn't know, I didn't know we were going to talk about Bravo today. So I, I feel like, Sorry, I just my, I had to get it in. You're well, an expert. All my Bravo people are going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't bring up this or bring up that. I mean, like, Meredith with her slurred words has been... You can leave! <laughs> no, I'm talking about like, what if we talk about... Like, you can't even do it. Andy Cohen has gotten really good at that. At that of a rumor. So like, I mean, like, there's so many classic Meredith moments this year. And I was on Watch What Happens Live with Meredith. And I feel like... You know, she was so. By the way, I do want to point out that when I was on Watch What Happens Live, I, I asked Meredith, I was like, "Do you think you can see it in your heart to be friends with Lisa Barlow again? We want this friendship back." And but, sure, and she said, "No, in the moment." But they are like pretty much friends again this season. So I think it's, you know that was me. I, I'm taking credit. For Good. Take credit for that. We need them together. But it is interesting. That's a great housewives trope of hating somebody passionately and then pretty much immediately forgiving them without us, the audience, seeing how that actually came out to play. I mean, we will never find out about Heather's black eye. They just let so much drop off. That's what pisses me off about reunions. Andy needs to have video screens and make them watch these clips together and say, you need to answer right now, period. But I like that it's a good tease. 
So Salt Lake City is doing amazing. Also, I wanted to your point about Denise Richards. I'm just bummed that Denise Richards will never have her moment with Lisa Rinna because Lisa Rinna, the last scene was, you're so angry. And, you you know. Which I still use. I still use that. Last night, my dog was barking at some coyotes. (laughs) (laughs) I literally turned to my wife. I was like, Billy, ooh, so angry. Like, we still use so angry. There's so many. Classic riddle moments. I mean, but I, I think it looks like Denise is going to be a friend of, which I'm totally cool. I think Mary yeah. Crosby has. I'm so sorry, Luxury. This is such a, such yeah, a no, no. It's a, this is we're, we're almost Mary done. We're, gotta do what you gotta do. I think Mary has redefined the friend of in a way that is amazing because, like, they invite her to events and she shows up. She's like, I don't want to be here. Don't talk to me like that. Like, it's just it's insane. I love it. I it's love somebody theater. that admits they don't want to be here, and she literally tells other cast members, "Don't talk to me. Don't, don't talk, talk to me like that. Don't oh, talk and, to me." And, and okay, so again, I'm excited to just be talking about this. I, 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 not a huge fan of Angie K, but I am so happy she made it not Angie H because I will never forget Angie H coming in doing the uh, when the Saints come marching in outfit with the top hat. I was like, "This is thirst on a level I am not comfortable with." You cannot let this person hang with the And sure enough, she has well, see, not been mentioned this season. So there you go. Angie K was on Watch What Happens Live last night. And I think she works because she doesn't work. Like she wants it so badly. And when yeah. somebody wants it so badly, that <laughs> energy is so funny to watch. So I kind of really dig that. But there's so much. Are you, Wait, you're not going to go to BravoCon, are you? I'm, I, I'm probably trying. Yes. I mean, the answer is maybe. <laughs> okay, good. I'm going to see you at BravoCon. Um, okay. Bringing it back to actual music to wrap this yes, up. Yes, yes. Uh, truly this, uh, this, this podcast is my new favorite. I'm not even joking. Like I've got seven more episodes to get through that. Now I'm like going to take, I have to go visit my dad in Arizona and I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to burn through these. But it's <laughs> one of those shows, you guys, you are going to, you're going to say things out loud. You're going to be like, Oh my God, what about this? Oh my God. What about that? I mean, listen, you guys were doing the Prince episode and you were talking about, we are the world and how Prince just thought it was like, it, it you know, he, he, <laughs> He refused to be on it. But then I was like, oh, my God, do you guys remember the clip from the American Music Awards when Lionel Richie begged Prince to go on stage during We Are the World? And he just sat there with a lollipop licking it. Uh, I don't remember that one. That's amazing. <laughs> go to YouTube. It is it is such a great little clip. Um, there are so many laugh out loud moments about Prince in our Jimmy Jam episode because, you know, this is a guy who got fired by Prince. And in some ways, it kind of saved his career. I mean, you could oh, make absolutely. the argument Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis is He's so grateful. Was made by getting fired by hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it yeah, sort it's... of makes anybody who's ever worked in our industry where you do get fired by somebody's idol <laughs> and yet your life doesn't. And in fact, you might go on to do something else. But look, one thing I love about the show is that me and luxury, we have all this intersection in terms of our likes. So, you know, we did an episode about notorious B I G. We did an episode about Missy Elliott. We do episodes about Metallica. Like we do so many different genres of music and, and we never stay in one decade. So we'll do Billie Eilish one episode. And like you said, Stevie Wonder the next. You you can even do an, an episode about a song like Uptown Funk where we've all heard it. Guess what? The story about how that song came together, some facts that you probably don't know and some songs that you probably don't know that influenced it. it I really do feel like the, the power of the show is that you can watch, you can listen to an episode where you didn't think you wanted to know more about that song and come away like, damn, I had no idea it was that deep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, luxury, uh, can you tease anybody besides Jimmy jam or any songs that are potentially coming up? I imagine your <clears throat> list is just insane. And you guys oh. have to both agree on the songs. <laughs> like, is there, <laughs> are there fights about what you cover? 
the only fights we ever have, and that's in that's in major quotes because they're not really fights. We only yeah. like the discussions that take the longest before there is a resolution and answer would probably be just like, how do we choose what song? Because the process it's like, it's not even scientific in any way. It's sort of like mm-hmm. it's a little bit like rank choice voting. It's a little bit our favorites, but it's also a little bit like canonical culturally. It's also a little bit like, what do I have access to in the stems? Because a yeah. big part of the show is playing acapellas and the isolated drums and guitars, which I collect, but I don't have everything. So we have discussions and some of the, you know, names that crop up across, you know, these next bunch of seasons, hopefully, right? You know, we'll probably get to a Led Zeppelin episode. We'll probably get to a Jay-Z's episode, but we can't fit everything into season one. And we've only got seven episodes left. So we're like, I'm not uh. really sure what these last seven are going to be. I know we're taping Metallica, Master of Puppets tomorrow. Stoked for that one. And I know we're doing we're doing Mariah next week, right? ODB Mariah next week. Me I think we're Mariah. taking that one. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mar- we by have the way, this is, this is Mariah's big time of year. This is when she comes out and, and makes her yearly nut uh, during yeah. the holidays. <laughs> we, we might have to have a little, we might have to have a little side note about that song. Yeah, we'll probably uh, do a little side note all I want because, yeah. you know, it's already, it already <laughs> popped up on Spotify once for me in the last week. And I was like, all right, we're doing this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's There's time only, yet again, once again. But we only got five slots left, Diallo, and you and I are still discussing what those five slots That's are true. going to be That's filled true. with, which is fun. <laughs> well, it's a fun, fun, fun conversation. You, you guys, thank you for spending so much time with me today. This is one of my favorite episodes. I truly geeked out listening to this, and you guys are going to love it. This is a podcast made from joy, and that's what we need more of. It is a podcast that teaches you something, makes you laugh, takes you down a journey that you are going to love going on, and I just I can't say enough good things about it. So, Diallo Riddle and Luxury, thank you so much for being our. I hope I get to geek out with you guys at any other point, any time down the line. I hope you guys do a second and third Ryan. season. I hope another pandemic hits because I want to talk to you guys again. <laughs> no, no more disasters. Brian, I'm sorry. Real quick. Can I change my answer? The song deep dive that we would Wait, do on one out? song off of housewives. Oh, Oh, uh, hello. He was, oh, he was probably just saying something bad. No, about no, I was going to say, I was going to say, I take back my answer. The song I would do if we had to do a one song <laughs> episode about uh, housewives would be away in a manger by Lisa Barlow. <laughs> <laughs> I am oh, fascinated poor... by that performance and I can spend an hour oh, wait, there you um, go. Uh, well, <laughs> well you'll probably have to do that on my show because Luxury will not touch that with the 10 foot pole <laughs> I uh, just don't know what to say I know they talk about the little Lord the little Lord Jesus the little Lord Jesus I know the song it's about it. cursive Get the uh, yeah, get get this get the stems for that one. Uh, oh, by the way, a perfect a perfect. I know. I'm sorry, you're trying to end. So no, tone, no, no. Tones, tones, and I. That's like the perfect example. You know, tones and I. Like that kind of like like the mouth that's like the oldie timey. And is she saying dance monkey or dance for me? It's like this. Like what are the like? That's a little. That's might be the that's quintessential. I know what that is. Person. 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 Okay. There you go. Okay, you guys. Well, go off, release your wiggle, and go subscribe to one song rated five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You are not going to regret it, and I hopefully we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank Pleasure, you, Ryan. Thanks for having us, Ryan. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. 
Be sure to send us your emails at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey at gmail.com and follow the show at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to Patreon.com forward slash SoBadIt'sGood. Stay bad, baddies. Betches.